This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. You know, this morning, I want to, because this is our first message or our first service to begin the new year, 2014. I just like that better than 2013. I'm glad 2013 has passed. I'm glad 2014 is starting. Uh, And you know, the nice thing about a new year is that it gives you an opportunity for a brand new start. I mean, in a sense, it's just another day and then another month and another year. But I'm glad that we do get to kind of start over. God likes fresh starts. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but there's been times when I wish life could be a do-over. You young ones don't realize what I'm talking about as you get older. Sometimes you think, oh, I wish I could do it over. I'd do some things different. But life is not a do-over. We don't get to do it over. But we can have a brand new start. We can start afresh. And it's something that you can choose to do. And it's not something that circumstances or other people give you the opportunity for. It is something you decide that is this moment in my life, I'm going to have a new beginning, a fresh start. Uh, You know, the Bible talks about um, uh, being saved and then it talks about being born again. And some people want to say that's the same thing. Being born again is when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ and we meet him for the first time and we turn our life over to him and we're translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We become a child of God. We're moved. We're no longer a child of darkness. We're now a child of God. And that our, we're born anew. We're born brand new. And Jesus said, you know, we're, he called it being born from above. And he said, to enter heaven, we've got to be that. But the Bible also talks about being saved. And lots of times we think, well, you know, that's the same thing. But, you know, really in the scriptures, you can be saved a number of times, not being born again a number of times. But like you get in a bad situation and you pray and God delivers you. He saved you. All right. Uh, Maybe you were sick in your body and you were praying and and the doctor said there's nothing we can do and God intervened and you were saved. Or uh, maybe you wandered away and and started getting into things and all of a sudden found your life a long ways from God and back in things that you thought, oh, I was delivered from. And suddenly you're back into it, maybe delivered from drugs, but back into drugs and delivered from things and back into it. But then God brings you back and you're saved again. It's not that you're born again again because you're only born again one time, but you can be saved many times. Uh, in other words, God can restore things or God can deliver you out of things or God can intervene in situations in your life. And the children of Israel understood that when we use the term saved that it meant all these things, that it was God intervening and helping us and God showing up when our enemies were overwhelming us and God would come in and deliver. And, and in a sense, it's kind of like a fresh start. It's a brand new beginning. It's giving you the ability to erase the blackboard and start over. 
And we all in our life, I don't care how good you think you are or how good things may be going on in your life, we all at some time in our life or many at different times in our life need a fresh start. We need something fresh. And sometimes it's scary because sometimes we're willing to live with the frogs rather than, you know, when the children of Israel were in Egypt and and the Pharaoh said, uh, we'll spend one more night with the frogs. Sometimes we're willing to stay with the frogs. And sometimes a fresh start is scary, especially when we realize what it takes for a fresh start. And sometimes we hold on to things that are actually hurting us instead of reaching and being willing to step into something new that gives us a whole new beginning, a whole new opportunity in life. Now listen to me, my friend. God is for you. He is not against you. God's thoughts of you, every thought God has is a good thought. When God just thought of you just then, it was a good thought. It was not just good about you, it was good for you. God's plans are good. The Bible says that the will of God in Romans chapter 12, it says that God's will for us is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's not three different wills. It's one will. And when we find the will of God, when we submit ourselves to the will of God, we find something that is good for us. And we say, man, this is good. And you know, it's acceptable. We say, I like this, you know, and it's perfect. And we we realize it's perfect. It fits us just right. And so God is always working to bring us in to that place in his will of God, in his, per, in his, his plan for us. And in doing that, many times we need a brand new start. We need to be able to turn from our past and look at a new future and be willing to step into it, trusting that God has good things for us. I want to talk to you this morning about how that you can have a fresh start. Now, I'm going to share with you things that you've heard many times from this pulpit and from other places. They're very simple things that we all know. But here's what I've learned in life. It's the simple things, not the deep, complex, profound things that have the most power to energize us to, and to give us the understanding and knowledge to do, uh, succeed at life. Life is not a big, the key to a happy life, a good life, it's not complicated, it's very simple. But when I say simple, I don't necessarily mean easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's simple. I'm not going to tell you anything that you say, wow, I've never heard that before. You've heard everything I'm going to tell you. You could teach it yourself. But the key is what's going to make it happen is if you and I choose to apply it. Now, I'm telling you, God wants this year to be a fresh beginning in your life. God wants you to start over. I'm not talking about where you go back to zero. I'm talking about where God gets rid of all the minuses and suddenly you're in the positive column to where you move forward into a new dimension that you've been wanting. How many of you in this room would say, you know what, I just feel like there's something better for me than where I am. Anybody feel that way? Okay, now listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you. God wants that for you. Don't ever get to the place where you lose that. 
Because you never will arrive, but you ought to be on the journey. Are you listening to me? You never will arrive, but you ought to be on the journey. And so, uh, you know, God has plans for us, and he wants us to know that they're good, they're perfect, they're wonderful, and no matter what we may have been through, no matter what may have happened, no matter how things may have gone wrong, whether it's people that have done us wrong or whether we've done wrong, and lots of times it's a mixture of both. God wants us to believe for something better. He wants us to reach for something better. The day you quit doing that, you're dead. And you're just waiting for your body to realize it. Because uh, God wants us, he said this concerning uh, in uh, uh, the Old Testament, God said that his young men would see visions And when he says man, he doesn't just mean males. He means young people will see visions. But he didn't leave us older people out. He said, and the old will dream dreams. See, you should never be at a place in your life where you cease to have a vision or you cease to dream. Are you with me? You ought to be reaching for something. You ought to be reaching for something. You know, statistics tell us that most people that just retire don't live out the life that those that continue on pursuing something do. There's something about the way God made us that he wants us to reach for something. He wants us to be after something. He wants us to go for something. And it actually affects our physical, our immune system and our, in our physical uh, body. It affects it. It affects our thought life, our mind. So I want to give you three principles on how that you can make a fresh start. No one's going to give you a fresh start. God gives the opportunity, but you've got to make it. It's like God will buy the ingredients, but you've got to bake the cake. Are you listening to me? See? All right. Now the first one is found in Mark 11. And the the area there where we talk a lot about faith, you know, or, you know, it's one of the favorite portions of scripture regarding faith where Jesus says, have faith in God. Well, he makes a statement down at the end of his, of what he's talking about there. When he talks about faith, he ends with a statement that you really don't hear enough about when we talk about faith. We tend to focus on the faith aspect and Obviously, we need to because without faith, we cannot please God. But Jesus, listen to what he says. Listen to me. In verse 24, that means this is something important to him. Listen to me. You can pray for anything, and if you believe, you will have it. So Jesus makes this promise. He said, I'll give you anything that you pray for. He said, you can ask for anything. I want you to say, I can ask God for anything. God says that. He invites that. He wants that. Don't ever think that, well, I shouldn't ask. Like a, one time I was, uh, I was witnessing a, a, at a, a place and, and to a man and shared about the Lord with him. And, and he said, well, he said, I do believe in God and I believe in prayer. And he said, but I will never 
pray for something for Joseph because I was dealing with him, talking with him about, you know, asking God, you know, into his life and, and, you know, his own relationship with God. And he said, oh, no, it's my life has never been about me. He said, I don't think God wants us to think about ourselves. He said, I pray for others. And he said, and I'll pray for God to do things in other people's lives. And I said, you know what? I said, that sounds good, but it's not reality. I said, until you have personally met him, all of that is just talk. Because I said, until you experience the love of God in your own self and his forgiveness and his mercy and his redemption, you don't have a heart for other people, really. And so God wants us to ask for ourselves. He wants us to ask. Ask for anything. But then look at the next verse, because Jesus says, but. But. And listen, I'm going to tell you what. You better find your but in the Bible. (laughs) Because if you don't understand the but, then you're not going to get the promise. He says, you can pray and ask for anything if you believe me, but everybody shout but. But. He says, you can ask for anything if you believe me, and people want to stop there. All you got to do is believe God. Yes, but that's not all. Yes, it is. All you, yes, believe God. But a part of believing Him means this. But when you are praying, but when you are praying, now what does that say to us? It says that the heart we're praying with, are you listening? The heart we're praying with, the heart we're so called believing with, it needs to be a heart that is free from unforgiveness. He says, but when you are praying first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, you see in Isaiah 59, God said, he said, I can hear what you say. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I can hear your prayers. I hear them. I hear what you're saying, but your sins, your sins have separated you and I. I hear what you're saying, but there's, there is a chasm between us that there, the bridge has got to be, be built across. And we say, well, Jesus is my bridge. Yes, he is, but Jesus is mercy. And if we don't have mercy, then we are still in our sin. So he says, when you're praying, first we must forgive. Now we're talking about a fresh start. And you're not going to live in this life without needing to forgive people. You're not going to live in this life without needing to forgive yourself. Everyone in this room needs to forgive somebody. Either some person, yourself, and sometimes it's even God. Because some have felt God failed them. God was not there when I needed him. But you've got to forgive. What does it mean to forgive? To forgive is to release someone from a debt you believe they owe you. Or a wrong that they have done against you. Now, when you, re- when you set people free, or when you forgive people, 
You set them free from what they have done to you. You essentially say to them, like the man, the script, you know, in the Bible, the parable where Jesus said, a man owed a great debt and he begged his, his uh, master, he said, or the person that he owed the debt to, he said, will you forgive me, please? And the master had mercy on him and said, I forgive you. And then the man goes out and he owed the master millions of dollars, but he goes out and this guy owes him a few dollars and he says, where is that money? Pay me or I'm going to send you to prison. Because they had debtor's prison, which they're actually talking about opening up again. Uh, in some places where people will go to prison for debts. That would be something. Uh, but, <clears throat> yeah. But he, and Jesus said, what do you think the master would do to that one who he forgave the debt to, but he went out, and to those that owed just a, him a little bit, he wouldn't forgive them. And you know, he makes a statement, to whom much is, are those that are forgiven much love much? And you know, the term love, do you know, that means when you look in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 there, it says about the love of God, the agape love, it says that it does not consider any wrong done against it. When we forgive others, we set ourselves free. We set ourselves free. I remember years ago when I first started out in ministry, a minister that I had ministered for, we had great services, man. It was just wonderful. And uh, Denise and I were traveling all over the country preaching at that time. And, and really at that time we were just preaching around in the southeast. We had not gotten known in other parts of the nation yet. And... Uh, so we were preaching around the southeast, and this guy and I, we had a tremendous meeting. I mean, it blessed his church. Great things happened. God was doing wonderful things, and he loved it. And he went to another church and uh, was pastoring there, and he wanted me to come. He said, I need you to come, because he said, the meeting we had at the other church, he said, it was, it was so revitalizing for our church. He said, I need it here. Some Men in the or on the board there did not like the fact the way that God was moving through Denise and I. And so they began to resist him. And so he joined sides with them and he started saying things about me. And he became very vocal and critical of me and attacked me. And I hadn't done anything except preach for him. And he sent me a letter of all these accusations about me, not one true not one true, that he was actually putting out to others. And I read the letter, and you know, of course, when you read that, it's like someone stabs you or hits you in the gut, you know? I mean, you get a letter from a friend, you think it's going to be something good, and it turns out to be like that. Well, it was, you know, I just, I was sitting, and actually we were at my mom and dad's house because we didn't have a home. We had a little trailer, and we were traveling around, and we had some time off, so we were staying at my mom and dad's house, and I was in my dad's study and at his desk when I read the letter. And I remember I took the letter and I threw it in the trash, and I'll never forget the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as I hear my voice right now. And he said, pick that letter up, because this must be dealt with at my throne. And I said, I thought to myself, why, why? I forgive him. And I said, Lord, 
He's, I understand what he's doing. This is not his thoughts. He's under pressure and he's caved in and it's not true. So why should I care about it? And God told me this. He said, because the things you don't, when you, someone wounds you like that and you don't deal with it, a root of bitterness will begin to develop. And I'd never heard of, I'm really heard of that. I'd read it in the scriptures, but didn't know what that was really talking about. And so here's what I did. I picked up that letter and I turned around and had to, because it was in my dad's study, it wasn't private there. He could come in at any time. I went in the bathroom, really. I went in the bathroom. I put the toilet lid down. I laid the letter on the toilet and there I was at the throne. (laughs) Well, God said, deal with it at the throne. So anyway, I know what he meant. But it was the only place I could be private. And so I laid it there. That sounds crude, but I'm just being real. I laid it there. And I said, okay, God, you see this letter. And my friend, as soon as I did, all of a sudden, I began to weep. And then my weeping, it became like a bawling. And I literally, I felt like I was standing, you know, like you stand up and look at and I'm standing, I felt like almost I wanted to look at myself and say, what's wrong with you, idiot? What are you weeping about? But I wept and I wept and I wept. And suddenly I realized it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. I was experiencing something. Now that sounds spooky, but it's real. The Holy Spirit was weeping. So for this one Because when, you remember Jesus said to Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus and he appeared to him, he said, why are you doing this against me? Paul wasn't doing it against Jesus. He was doing it against followers of Jesus. But every time we say something against another brother or sister, even if they're wrong, when we attack them, when we judge them, or when we get judged by them, it wounds the Holy Spirit. The Bible says be careful that we don't grieve the Spirit of God. I'm talking about a fresh start. And the first step in a fresh start is forgive. And I want to tell you what, in that experience in my life, I learned something I'll never forget. And I promised the Lord, I said, I'll never forget this. And I've endeavored, and before God, I can honestly say that I've had things happen to me. I've had people attack me, talk against me, and try to destroy me. I remember a minister sat and he told me, he said, I'm going to destroy you. He was had the second largest church in this state, in a state, not this one, another state. He said, I'm going to destroy you because God had used Denise and I to heal someone uh, for, you know, healed a, a person that was dying of cancer in his church. They had a brain tumor. God used us and healed them supernaturally and he got jealous and he said you're trying to steal my church and he said I'm going to destroy your ministry and he said your name is mud and he was a powerful man and I remember when he said that to me he said I'm going to destroy you Steve Vickers and he said you're going to do nothing and you're worth nothing and I walked out of his office and I went into my office I worked there for him I went into my office, I knelt down beside my chair, and I remembered that experience. And I took what he had just said, I took those words, because God told me, he said, every time someone does something against you, 
You need to come to my throne and deal with it right there. Don't let it get in your heart. Don't let it get in your spirit because when it does, it becomes deadly. And so right then I got down on my knees and I, I told the Lord, I said, I said, okay, God, you just heard everything he said. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive him. I declare I forgive him and I ask you to forgive him. And I release him from that. Now I could tell you a story of God's vindication that would amaze you. Because God did some supernatural things in that. Years later I was preaching. I'll give you a little quick thing. I was driving my car and God said to me, he said, I'm going to bring so and so to your feet. And he was a well-known minister. And I'm preaching over in Georgia. Ben. I was preaching over in Georgia. And I'm standing in the service. And the place was packed. People just standing around the walls. And in he walked. And God told me. He reminded me. He said, see, I told you. I'm bringing him to your feet. And he came up to me and apologized. And everything was lost. He lost his ministry. He lost everything. And before God, I can say, by his grace, because of what he taught me that day when that letter to a young preacher just starting out, it hit my heart and I said, ah, just, that's fine. It doesn't matter. I don't care. And God said, no, deal with it. Deal with it. And deal with it before my throne. And I went and I dealt with it before the throne of God. And I, the, the Spirit of God began to weep through me. And I, I really believe at that moment God gave me, I don't know, like a dose, a gift of mercy. But that's for all of us. If you've received mercy, why not give mercy? Everybody needs mercy. You do. You know, the sad thing to me is sometimes Christians can be the cruelest people there are on earth. Oh, they can be so harsh and cruel. When, and it's no wonder that the world mocks us and, and doesn't want anything to do with us because we represent a God that they're thinking, yeah, he's judging us just like they're judging us. Listen, I'm not going to live up to your standards. Because for one thing, your standards are your standards, not God's. You're not, you didn't die on the cross for me. I don't have to keep your standards. You're not keeping them, so why should I? That's hypocritical. That's a Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees did. They set up standards that Jesus said, you won't even live by them, but you require everybody else to live by them. Take your standards and go somewhere. Because I'm telling you what, here's the thing I've realized. I can trust the Holy Ghost to work in somebody's life and to deal with them and convict them a lot better than I can judge them into living right. The only thing my judgment, my criticism, my attacking is going to do is going to drive them from God. Listen, my friend, when you burn the bridge of mercy... You've just burned a bridge that you're going to one day wish you could have. Build a bridge of mercy. There are three things 
that break our relationship with God. I'm not talking about fellowship only. I'm talking about relationship. Those three things are unbelief, unconfessed sin, and unforgiveness. Now I'm going to tell you what. If you've got things in your heart, people that you won't forgive, or maybe you won't forgive yourself for something you did, look at me. Let me tell you what. If I told you everything, how I failed as a Christian, how I failed as a minister, I've made some wrong choices, I've made wrong decisions, I've done wrong things, I've not been perfect, I have failed, I've, had, I've gotten so angry at times that I said things I shouldn't have said, I've done things I shouldn't have done. If you're wanting a perfect preacher, then you need to go find one. But if you find one, he's a phony. But I'm going to tell you what, here's the thing I realize, because I've walked among God's people for a long time now. I've been in ministry 42 years. I found out those things that I thought were, uh, were a halo, it was some broken horns. It was like part of a halo and part of a horn. When I forgive others, I forgive myself. The second principle, let's look at it here. In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul said, No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. I love Paul. I like Paul. I just like him. I like the fact that I can read Paul and hear him say to me in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, hear him say, I got so depressed I wanted to die. I have never heard a preacher say that. They're too afraid of their reputation. But Paul didn't have a reputation to live up to. He had a Jesus to live for, a Savior to live for. And Paul said, I got so distressed he said, discouraged, I wanted to die. And here Paul says, I'm not all I should be. But I am focusing all my energies. Now listen to me. Why focus on what people have done against you? Why focus on what you've done wrong? Why not focus on a future, on what's right and something good? He said, I'm not all I should be. You know what he's saying? I fail a lot. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. Now, the second thing is this. Number one, we've got to forgive. And if you can't do that, then don't worry about the others because you're not going to get to first base. You're not. I can tell you. Because see, at the heart of God's, what he does it for us, his first thing God does with us is forgive us. I came to God, I realized, when I met Jesus, I realized I was forgiven. It was like a 10 million pound load came off my life. First time in my life I'd ever felt peace and, and freedom and, and it was just amazing. 
But the second thing we've got to do is once we forgive, then we've got to forget. And I've heard people say, well, I can forgive, but I can never forget. I'll never forget. Well, I'll tell you what, I feel sorry for you because everybody needs to forget. We need to forget. We need to forget the things we've done wrong. We need to forget our successes too. Because I don't care how good you are, it's only for a moment. And tomorrow's, today's another day. And if you don't reach for it today, look at Alabama and Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm serious. Alabama went into Auburn and Oklahoma thinking, where's the Crimson Tide? Yeah, and who is that? But just another football team. See, you've always got, you've got to forget Listen, every one of you got things that you want to forget. Failures, things you've said, things you've done, mistakes you've made, wrong choices, wrong decisions. Like the banker that he was, and this is a true story, you know, uh, uh, a banker was giving a uh, speech to other young bankers about how to uh, succeed in the banking industry and a young banker came up to him and he said he said how did you understand how did you discover and learn how to do how to uh, succeed in banking so well because you know uh, you got to be able to you know banking is making loans and making money and the banker looked at him and he said wrong decisions He said, that was my greatest education was my wrong decisions. And you learn real quick from that. Listen, don't let your wrong choices, wrong decisions, don't let your failures define you. Let them teach you. Learn from them. Learn to say, you know what? When I did that, this is what happened. I'm not going to do that anymore. If I put my hand on the hot stove, it burns. I'm not going to do that again. All right? A child can learn that we ought to also. A woman that always seems to attract the wrong kind of guy, you can attract the right guy. Just quit being the woman that's attracting the one, the wrong one. Quit liking those qualities, all right? A guy that's always making the wrong choice in every job he gets or everything he does on the job, you can change that. Forget the way you've been and reach for who you can become. When our minds dwell on the past, we get stuck in the past. Here's the way God made us. What we're thinking on, we become. What we're thinking on, we become. As a man thinks, so is he. That's why whenever you get in a survival mode, you can't survive. You've got to be in a victorious mode if you're going to make it. Because if you're thinking, you know, like, okay, I like sports. You, you ever seen a sports team that, man, they're playing the game and they're dominating. Then they get to a place near the end of the game where they're trying not to lose. Isn't it interesting what happens? All of a sudden, this team that was taking the game over suddenly It's like the other team has got a new life and becomes a different team. Yes, they did. 
except they did in response to the way you became or that other team came. When we become where we're just holding on or we're trying not, you know, like this church. Look, there was a time when this church, you couldn't hardly find a seat somewhere. We're not trying to survive. I'm not concerned if we're going under. If that's where I am, then it's all over anyway. I'm not here trying to survive. I'm here to preach Jesus. And I know this. He will do what he said he will do. When you live in the past, you live in circles. Your life goes in circles. That happened to the children of Israel, you know. They spent 40 years. They started looking back and saying, oh, when we were in Egypt. I've had people tell me, it was easier when I was lost. Then why'd you get saved? (laughs) If it was so easy when you were lost, why'd you get saved? You and I both know it wasn't easy. You just don't remember. It's like a woman. That's right. It's like a woman that's married to some jack leg jerk and finally God delivers her from him and then she says oh I miss him (laughs) what do you miss well he was sweet to me (laughs) on maybe New Year's (laughs) the children of Israel went in circles for 49 years or for 40 years because they kept looking back, they kept looking back. When you look back, when you look, when you're looking back at what used to be, you're going to wind up in circles. Listen, I don't care. I'm glad for what God used to do in Christian Life Church, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what God is doing, what He's going to do. I thank God for what He's done in my life, but I'm not looking back on what God's done in my life. I've told God, you've blessed me, but God, there's more. You're bigger than this. You're greater than this. You're a bigger God than this, and I want more. Listen, faith only works in the now. When you're thinking on the past, when you're living in the past, when you're dwelling on the past, whether good or bad, oh boy, I remember the good old years, or oh boy, it was horrible back then. Whether you're dwelling on the wrong, the bad or the good, when you're looking back, faith is not working. Because the Bible says now faith is. Faith is now. It's right now. Faith only works in the now. Faith doesn't work tomorrow. It doesn't work yesterday. It works today. Faith looks at the promises of God and pulls them into our now. But if we're living in the past, faith is inoperable. It's powerless. Life is not yesterday or today. It is now. And faith is now. Let go of the past. Let me tell you something. This is years ago when we were going through something in our, I mean, uh, when we lost the property in the building over there, the 45 acres on Vaughn Road, everything, I was in my office praying, and everybody was leaving the church. And God said this to me. He said, son, because I was complaining to God. I was crying to God about 
this is happening and that and then oh God I remember there was the church was filled but look at now what and God said this to me he said son don't bury your past, your future in your past don't be, he said I'm sorry don't bury your future in the tomb of your past and when he said that to me I shut up and I God began to write out a vision for a future. I wrote out a vision. I didn't have, not, now listen to me, I didn't have some great revelation in where I, all of a sudden I'm standing like John in the revelation and I see the heavens open and all that. No, I just sat down and I started writing out a better future. I started writing out what I would like my future to look back, look like. And that's what I began to pray and talk about and declare. The third principle, we read it there where Paul said, I strain forward. I strain to reach for what's ahead. Third principle, number one is forgive, forget. And the third one is this, move on. I thought about bringing a piece of wood and giving it to every one of you. And to say to you, here's some wood, build a bridge and get over it. Get over it. Move on. Paul says, reach for your future. Shake the dust of the past off and move on. Shake off the hurts, the disappointments, the failures, the pains all of those things and move on. Put everything in your past under his blood. Do you believe the blood of Jesus is enough to cover your past? Do you believe it's powerful? How many of you believe his blood is powerful enough to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed? All right. But do you believe it's enough to forgive everyone that sinned against you? Well, if it's enough to forgive your sins, then it's enough to help you forgive theirs. Put your disappointments, your failures, put it all under the blood and move on. Move on. Remember this. In life, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up that really matters. Climb out of the rut of the past and step into your future. I had a pastor sitting in my office and he came to me and they were going through some things and a lot of things had happened in their church and, and I don't know, a lot of things have happened in this church. And people say, oh, our church has been through so much. Yeah, and who's been with us through it all? Who can't say, isn't a church because it's made up of people? It's kind of like people. I would rather a church be real and be like a family than to be a well-oiled organization that is like a business. I'd rather it be real. I want to be in a real church with real people. But he's sitting there talking to me and he was going on and on about how things used to be, how things used to be, how things used to be. And... and uh, 
oh, we had this, and we did this, and we got, and this, and there was so and so. And I looked at him, and I said, because we had been through a conversation, and I told him, you know, what I felt like he needed to do. And I looked at him, and I said, listen, never mind. Forget everything I said. He said, why? I said, because you're never going to get over the past. And I said, so if I was you, I'd just go back and give up. Now, you said, that's not good advice. Well, it worked because he said, I'm not giving up. I said, why not? He said, I believe God can do something. I said, what can he do? He said, well, he can do this and he can do that. I said, oh, really? I don't know about that. He said, well, let me tell you. And before you know it, he was preaching a new thing. See, it's in us. I'm saying it's in every one of you. You don't realize what God has put in you. The Holy Ghost in you wants to stand up and shake off the past and say, let's go into a future. I'm going to show you a new thing. I can't keep my sleeve up. Listen, grab hold of the reins of your life and like Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, ride off into your future. That was for you, Denise. She loved Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. (laughs) She always said when she was little, she was going to be a cowgirl or a Christian. She couldn't be both because if you're a car girl, you got to shoot Indians. And she said, I can't be a Christian if I killed me some Indians. <laughs> God's grace is greater than all of our wrongs. So what have we said? Forgive the, here's what we said. Forgive the people, yourself and others. Forget the past. And now move on into the rest of your life. And here's the thing I want to close with. Each one of these is a choice. Not one of them have to do with a feeling I have. I've had people say to me, I feel I'm supposed to forgive you. And I let them go through all their stuff and I'm nice to them. But I know that it's temporary because what I feel today I will not feel tomorrow see you never make a promise when you're happy you never reply when you're angry you hear me see because and because our feelings deceive us and you never Make a decision when you're sad. Those are three good things to remember. Never make a promise when you're happy. Oh, I feel great. I will do this and I'll do this and I'll do that. And you painted yourself in a corner you can't do. Or never reply when you're angry. Always say, I'll get back with you. And never make a decision when you're sad. See, feelings deceive us. And every one of us have them, but they're here today and gone tomorrow. I feel great today. I feel bad tomorrow. I feel wonderful. I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel mad. And it has nothing to do with my life. It has to do, it can be a chemical thing. A bird can fly over. Something can happen. You can hear a sad song and suddenly you go from happy to sad. It's our emotions. But I can choose to forgive. I can choose and will to forget. And I can choose to move on. 
Now my question is, are you willing to take your life back? Are you ready to take your life back over? Are you ready to take it back from the things that people have said against you, the hurts that have been done to you? Listen, I'm in a wonder, look at this situation. Here I am in a congregation in Montgomery, Alabama, the deep south, a racist city with a church predominantly with African Americans. You could live your life in what's been done against you. And you know what? There's been, I can never relate to that. I don't propose to say I know what you feel. No, I don't. No, I don't. And I'm not going to be stupid enough to try to say, well, I understand. No, I don't. I don't know what it's like trying, being an African-American growing up in a racial, racist society. I may hate it, but I can't change it. I mean, I can't change what has been done. But you know what? Here's the thing. You have chosen to move on. And I want to say you don't let what others say, white, black, green, purple, yellow, polka dotted, I don't care. Don't let anybody try to hold you back to that. You're as good as anybody. You can do what anybody can do. You're not second class. You are as good as anyone. All you got to do is decide, I'm going to go for my destiny. I'm going for what I want. And it's a choice we make. Listen, there's no man that can stand between you and God's will for your life. The only one is you. If you decide to give in to what society wants to say, then go ahead. It's your life to waste. It's your life to throw away. Or you can grab a hold of your potential and say, I can do anything I hope that you tell your children, there's nothing impossible with you. There's nothing impossible with you. And I'm going to tell you what, a black young man doesn't have to make it in the NBA or the NFL to succeed. He can, listen to me, he can be a doctor, he can be a lawyer, he can be a governor, he can be president. Put the potential. But you know what? It's hard to put that potential in our kids when we're held captive by our past. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.